0: Uh, It's great to see you here today. It's so good to be home with our church family. And uh, we've been pretty busy, so we'll kind of catch you up on what's happened since the five months since we've been away. So we'll kind of catch you up on that a little bit later. But let me just start with this question. Who's been watching the Winter Olympics? Okay, a big percentage of you have been. Have you heard of Noriaki Kasai? Heard about this guy? This is his eighth Olympics, which is a record. He's 45 years old, and they call that old. (laughs) Really ticks me off, but they call him old. He had a season where, um, after he won the silver medal in 1994, uh, when things were pretty tough for him, and he had to work through that, but he said he's in the best condition of his life now. And he said, I'm looking forward to the next Olympics. I'm 49, and I love this. He said, so... Never give up. Keep setting goals. I'm very hopeful of performing and improving four years from now. Now, wouldn't you like to have that kind of passion and drive when it comes to your spiritual life? I'm inspired by people like that. And we are called to sustain our passion and our joy through the whole journey as well. And that's not easy to do. And so we're going to kind of be a bridge here today between the wonderful series you've just come out of on launching your Christian life, your, a fresh start, this new year. And then next week, John begins a new series on his book, uh, the theme, I am strong, that in your weakness, God makes you strong, he's going to be honest about his weakness, and you're going to do the same, that in spite of that, you're still going to be strong in Christ, it's going to be a great series. I'm kind of a bridge between the two. How do you sustain this life over the long haul throughout a lifetime? Say it another way, we're talking about getting older, you excited about that? I told you this, uh, if you were here before and heard me talk about this, you know, when you're age 25, for the first time, your bones start to get brittle and your skin starts to wrinkle at age 25. You don't realize it, but the aging process happens. Who is getting older? Who is getting older? Okay, there are hands that are not up. Tell the person beside them, you are older today than you were yesterday. Just explain that to them. We're all getting older, all right? So let's embrace this thing and let's learn from it because there are two common mistakes people make when it comes to getting older. It's a struggle in our culture and it's a struggle within people in the church as well. Here's the first one, because these mistakes will rob you of joy, by the way, sustaining this joy. The first is denying the aging process itself. We try to cover it up. And, you know, cosmetics, And tummy tucks, facelifts, and oil of delay. (laughs) I mean, whatever it takes, right? And just let's put this thing off if we can. But there's something brutal, I'm just gonna lay it out here, there's something brutal about a 55 year old woman dressing like a teenager. There's something sad about some guy 70 years of age who's been real conservative getting a red convertible when he's 70. Something that we do. That reflects we're not embracing the truth about us that we're getting older, or an athlete who just doesn't know when to quit. Same type deal. And now, you know, there's a common thing in our society where older men will divorce their long term wife, who's their age, later in life, and then they marry a woman half their age. If they're honest, you know why. They admit it, it's because they can drive at night. Now, when I get older, you you may think about that as an option later if you need somebody to drive at night. Not very moral, but it's pretty practical, okay? Now, here's the deal. If you don't face the aging process realistically, it will cause you to lose respect from within yourself and other people, and you will lose your joy. You know you're not being who you really are. Accept who you are, embrace who you are, and where you are in your journey, the second mistake we make is attempting to escape responsibility. It's like, you know, I've served my time. <laughs> I've been really active. And so when we're younger, you hit it hard, you're under pressure to provide for the family and things like that. And you go on a vacation and you go, man, want to be great. That's our goal. Let's circle that date. When we get there, man, this is what I'm gonna do: a life of ease. I'm just gonna kick back. And enjoy this. And so you begin to start planning for retirement. And when we get there, just a life of ease. One newly retired man talked about his new retired life. He said, I wake up every morning and I dust off my wits. I pick up the paper and I read the obits. If my name is missing, if my name is missing, I know I'm not dead. I eat a good breakfast and just go back to bed. <laughs> I did that for about two weeks, but that gets old. You got to get going, Right. You have to do something, and that may sound appealing to some of you who are very young, you know, or really it's been a draining week for you, but you'll get bored. A carefree life is a boring life, and it's not a significant or joyful life. For life to be fulfilling, there must be, now this is what you all to write down, an authentic daily challenge. Regardless of your age, you need to challenge every single day. That's the sermon in this sentence, really. So, what will be that challenge you'll embrace every single day? Because they they tell us we all need three essentials in life, regardless of our age or circumstances. Number one, we all need someone to love. And John talked last week about that. Um, That's what Group Connect is about. You need to be with other people that you can love and they can love you back. We all need something to do, as I mentioned, a challenge. We all need something to do. That never changes And we all need something to hope for. You can endure anything if you have legitimate hope. You might grieve, but not as those who have no hope. With that background, would you turn to Philippians chapter 3. Read this section. We'll study verses 12 to the end of the chapter, verse 21. We'll put scriptures on the screen for you. But this particular passage, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing from a prison cell where he will be killed for preaching about Christ. That's unjust. It's unfair. And uh, life has always been unfair. We live in a our culture today, it's a culture of death. We'll talk later today about this past week, the culture of death in which we live. How do you maintain How do you maintain joy when your voice and sound goes away? Testing one, two. Hey, hey. <laughs> How do you maintain joy when that happens? When things don't go as you planned them to go, when they come unglued, what do you do? And so Paul wrote these words. He's probably in his early 60s. He knows he's going to be dying soon. So what he says, this is pretty big stuff. And I think there's some wisdom here we can learn. It will help us a great deal. Let's start in verse 13, where he said, I have not achieved it yet with all the guy had accomplished, starting churches all over the, the world, I still focus on this one thing: forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. And so he gives us this vision of still wanting to accomplish great things for God until his last breath. And there's some wisdom that jumps out at us from these passages from the Holy Spirit and the life of the Apostle Paul. So let's talk about it in regardless of the circumstances of the world in which we live, or regardless of age. You and I can live lives of joy and sustain that with God's help. If, number one, we forget past failures. Forgetting the past. Now, you do forget past accomplishments. Don't just rest on your laurels, your trophies and your plaques and all that kind of stuff. You don't rely on that, and that's what Paul's saying. I'm not relying on all that I've accomplished. I'm gonna forget the past. What am I doing today and tomorrow? But he also had to overcome something you and I have to overcome, and that's forgetting past failures. Boy, that will stifle your joy every single time. Some of you today are thinking, okay, oh, we're going to talk about joy. Well, I could have joy, but if I just just hadn't gotten that divorce, if it hadn't been for that one night, this could work for me. If I hadn't been so hard on my kids as they were growing up, if I wasn't so overcome with my work to miss that season, If I hadn't developed that terrible habit that, oh, I would have that first day back. If I hadn't started that habit that I still battle with today. If I hadn't alienated my friends and my family members, I wouldn't dread every Christmas. If only. Guilt grinds us down. It wears us out. And so you have to move beyond that. Paul did that, and he had more reasons to regret the past than you and I did. He wrote to the young preacher Timothy about his own personal experience. 1 Timothy 1.13, he said to him, you know what? I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, and I persecuted his people. Not many here probably have murdered Christians or blasphemed the name of God. Paul did that. You don't think he had to work through that? But he did work through it, and he believed the truth about The Lord. And so he said later to Timothy in verse 15, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst of them all. You ever hear a preacher say, I struggle with sin too? And you, yeah, right. He didn't really get it. Paul did. He said, I can top all of you. I'm the worst sinner in the house. But you know what? God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. And then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. He never could forget what he had done. And you can't forget what you have done. At the same time, he accepted the opportunity to put that behind him, to disregard the past, not be defined by that, not always be looking in the rearview mirror, allowing the blood of Christ, as John just said today, to cover you in the righteousness of Christ. And move forward to accomplish great things for God in his spirit and his power. Some of you came today just to hear this one thing. Because in your biography, you have some soiled pages. Just, look, just know around the room, so does every single person in the house. But some of you have soiled pages, and you, you have it dog-torn, dog t- t- don't you? Because you go back to that again and again and again. You cannot get beyond it. And you need to hear the heart of God, the way he sees you in your past, your worst day, what would make you ashamed God said in Isaiah 43, verse 25, when you trust in him, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never, say never. Never. I will never, he said, never think of your sins again. You ever come to God and say, God, remember when I, and God says, no, I don't. All I see is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if he doesn't ever think about them, and he's the judge, and we need to put him behind as well and bury him in the deepest sea. But we also have to accept the present, the shortcomings of today. Go back up to the first verse of the text, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or have already reached perfection. I press on to possess that perfection uh, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He said, I'm still working at this. I'm still giving it my best shot. And then verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet. I have so much more to do. Now, this is the veteran missionary, the greatest Christian in the history of the world. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's in prison for his faith. He'll be killed for preaching about Jesus. And he's saying, I haven't arrived yet. That should challenge us. Now, he struggled. To what degree did he really struggle? Well, Romans chapter 7, because they lived in a world that was so dark with sin, He wrote to the Roman Christians about his own personal experience. You relate to this? Verse 15 of Romans chapter 7. The apostle Paul said, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. He said, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right, but it's like I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. You ever said that? You ever felt that? Those are encouraging words. If the world's greatest Christian struggled that way, then we're going to mess up too. Now, the truth is, this is a church, our culture here, because I was pastor 31 years, everybody knows we mess up. You're going, if Steve can make it, well, shoot. (laughs) I'm the guy, as I tell in the book, who literally did a somersault in the aisle after a wedding, unintentionally. I'm the guy who rode out here on a motorcycle when we promoted our biker ministry, and I split my pants before I rode out on the bike. (laughs) I'm the guy who preached one sermon and walked backstage, and I went, my zipper is down. (laughs) The message was over, and the production team went crazy trying to find it, and they couldn't. God is good. (laughs) They couldn't find it. Now, of all the things I've done over the years, I did something last night I've never done before. My daughter got me these uh, untucket shirts for Christmas, right? So I'm sitting there last night. I've never done this since I was a pastor anyway. I spilled grape juice on my shirt. Now, I don't know about you, but I make mistakes. It's somebody else's fault. John's communion meditation was way too long. <laughs> so I told him I was going to tell you that today. And he, he's so glad that he cannot make any mistakes here. <laughs> Right there. There's nothing sacred around here We just struggle. So I literally looked down and went, there's grape juice, and it covered right there. And so I ran right back, and I grabbed a wet towel. and I'm doing this number back here. How long do I have? I get a hairdryer, and I start doing this, and the hairdryer pff, dies. So <laughs> I've got a spot right here. I say, Julie, yeah, I, I, got I spill grape juice on my shirt. I tell John and Julie, and they're laughing, help me. So she gets another dryer, and how long do I have? One minute. <laughs> And here I came. Now, isn't the pressure off for you? (laughs) Don't ever say, how could you be so stupid? It's my fault. Now, John has raised the bar, and that's a good thing. (laughs) He's a smart guy, but he'll tell you he's, as you know, he's a real person. And you're really going to hear about who he is these next few weeks and his struggles in his own life. But the deal is we all have a long way to grow, don't we? So embrace that. And Paul says in verse 15, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. When you begin to mature and think, I'm up here and I'm nobody else is down there, you've not matured. When you mature, you get the fact. You need this grace more than anybody else you've ever met in your life. We also, you see, we have this imperfect character. That's what do you mean by shortcomings? We have an imperfect character. And if you think as you get older, You'll reach a stage in the Christian life where you're gonna have it all together. You'll be a very discouraged Christian. Now, just for a moment, raise your hand if you're 60 years of age and older. Raise your hand. Come clean. Confession's good for the soul. Let's see. A lot of quite a few hands here. If you're curious, ask them if the Christian life is getting easier for them. Boy, I can't wait till I get to be their age and I'll probably just never mess up. You know, it doesn't work that way. Here's the problem. If you think one day I'll have it together, when I have it together, then I give myself to God. You'll be discouraged every day of your life. And a ministry opportunity? Well, somebody else can do that, but I'm not worthy. See, here's what I did. I can't do that. Worship. You say, I wish I could worship enthusiastically, but God knows what I'm really like. I'd be phony to do that. It holds you back in your worship. Sign up for Group Connect. You go, oh, I'd love to do that, but man, I'm afraid people will get to know me and how I struggle. And then they won't like me. And it causes you to hold back from the growth that you need with other people. And so understand, listen, yes, we need to repent of sin, turn away from our faults and our struggles and our mess. And we shouldn't be committing the same sin stuck in the same place we were 10 years from now. Okay, we've got to be growing forward. At the same time, we can rejoice that our salvation is not based on anything we can do or will ever do, but on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ alone on the cross it's not what we ever do for him it's what he has done for us don't ever forget that the older you get don't ever forget that one pastor preached a strong message on sin he just let it rip And an older woman came out the door and shook his hand she said boy i'm so glad you preached that message today on sin that congregation really needed that sermon today (laughs) she said you know pastor i i haven't sinned in about 30 years Well, he thought of her arrogance and he thought of jesus 33 year life and he said well so with very smooth how he you know you can take people to the woodshed and they don't know you're doing it so he just said to her boy only three more years and you'll be like jesus huh (laughs) oh my she probably didn't get it but i hope you do hey we're fellow strugglers the ground is level at the foot of the cross We all need the same grace and mercy. No matter how old you are, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, you will have imperfections. You are human, and you always will be. A few years ago, in the New York City Marathon, 26-mile race, seven-tenths of a mile from the finish line, a Mexican runner named Herman Silva took a wrong turn. Like 40 yards out of his way, the police tried to redirect him, the people on the street tried to redirect him, and he turned around. And do you know he was able to run past the other runners and catch up and beat them by two seconds? Amazing thing. As he reversed his train, he was able to, to finish the race. And here's what you need to hear today no matter how late in life you make a mistake, there's still time to turn around. I don't care how long you made the mistake, today is that day you can turn around. Temporary mistakes do not define you, and they're not your ultimate defeat because of the victory Christ has won for us. Somebody should have shouted amen on that. It's just the truth. It's the truth. We also have to accept our imperfect circumstances. Circumstances uh, happens. Life is not a perfect world by a long shot. Have you ever said, okay, I'm buying this. I really want to have joy and happiness when... When I get that degree, then I can really get into this thing. If I finally can get married, I'll have joy. When my children are happy and successful, then finally, it'll be a joyful life. When I lose this weight, finally, we can turn things around. When I'm finally out of debt, we'll have some joy. When we get into that new home, then things will be so much better. When I can finally retire, oh, man, we'll be there. You know, there are a thousand dreams that take away the joy of today dream great but don't dream in such a way that you're not living right now and be filled with joy in spite of the circumstances you're in right this moment Paul's in prison as he writes these words he said man I'm looking forward to what's ahead of me and if you wait till all of life is perfectly in order you will never ever have true joy you will not experience joy My favorite cartoon is The Family Circus. Bill Keene writes, he's a Christian man. He, some great things, you know, about the family. I love when Billy is talking to his younger brother, Jeffy, and he said, yesterday is the past, tomorrow is the future, and today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Now, God has given you today. His mercy is new every morning. Every morning you wake up, he gives you a gift. What will you do with that? Will you make the most of every single day? That's what we're talking about. Every single day. In order to do that, we have to forget yesterday's failures. We have to accept the shortcomings that we have today and then pursue future opportunities. That's the key. If every day you say, I've got to find an opportunity and seize that, that's a secret to your joy. Every day, what will be your opportunity? Today you might make one phone call and you accept that opportunity. You won't believe that will do with your joy quotient. One word of encouragement. One kind word on the way out of here today. One letting somebody else pull in front of you in the parking lot. Just one of those. The person in the car may be mad at you did that, but you'll feel better when you do that. Paul said in verse 14, You know, I press on here to reach the end of the race. And receive the heavenly prize. Now, this is the picture of the athlete, the Olympic athlete, stretching, trying to win that victory. And so many people, even in the church, begin to coast. I mean, we, we downshift in our professional life, and we retire from our job, but then we downshift spiritually as well. We slowly phase out of ministry and involvement in the church and say, I serve my time. <laughs> I served in this period of time back in the day. For years, people said, you know, years ago, they really were active, and now they're still in the church, you know, but he served years ago. Now, as you get older, I think we do back off sometimes from the pressures of responsibility, of course. But you continue to serve and embrace the opportunities in front of you. Don't ever stop doing that. Be eager to serve every single day of your life. Um, Who are the golfers in the room? In the point in the center, let's see the golfers, a few of you. Well, who are, the, who are the hackers? Maybe that will widen this up a little bit. There we go. That's my man. That's my man, right there. Hey, Kirk. That's right. That's right. We need the hackers. Email uh, email, Kijak. I love this guy and the way he went out. 79 years of age. He teed off on the sixth hole of the Sun Valley Golf Course in Rehoboth, Massachusetts. He got a hole-in-one, the first one in his life. 79 years of age age 79 he walks to the next tee the next hole puts a ball on the tee he collapses and he dies true story that's something if funeral home said he he had hypertension but I'm, I'm as a golfer here's my head can you think of a better way to go than that <laughs> come on man you're loving golf 79 years old you got a passion to play golf and you get a hole in one that is pretty sweet Now, the only problem with it is, he's probably going to be not much fun in heaven because he's got to brag about it, (laughs) at least for a little while, you know what I mean? But that's pretty interesting. Now, I love the story because the guy's 79, he's still out there with passion, going after something, doing something, okay? Still stretching. And certainly, we need to do that in the spiritual life. Leonard Sweet, who writes a lot about the emerging generations, in his book, Faith Quakes, really kind of shook me up when he said, for the first time in American history, the number of people over age 65 is greater than the number of teenagers. Which means the greatest resource in America and in the church are folks who are retired adults. This church is a prime example. I just talked to a few hundred people in the point today who are all in for God, serving God. This church is full of folks who serve in their retirement years. Two of the last three elders that I appointed before I left here had just retired and they stepped up because they weren't traveling anymore, and they signed on to be an elder. An easy job in the church. No, a big responsibility in the church after they retired. Now, that's that's the way it ought to be. Be reaching forward for significance in your life, even beyond those, quote, retirement days. We get away from the pressure of the job, but you'd be straining for the spiritual prize every single day you possibly can. Now, some of you have asked through the weekend, How's retirement? So it's been five months since I've been gone. Let me catch you up, a real uh, Cliff Notes version. In the last five months, we have really had a good time. We've enjoyed uh, some some vacations, and Kristen climbed a mountain really, really high that she won't even let me do in Colorado. This while I was back writing the book here, she did some climbing in Colorado. We've gone to a lot of Butler basketball games and the symphony, and we have having some fun times with our grandkids, and it's been tremendous. But I also was able to finish the book, and uh, I'm volunteering with two church consulting firms, one out of Dallas, Texas, out of Traveling for Them, and one out of Cincinnati. I preached the last six weeks at a church where I was youth minister, part-time in seminary 42 years ago. And they called me, and they were needing a preacher, and I said, guess what I just signed up to do. And I met with their elders for four hours, and they asked me to come and preach the first six weeks of this year. And then I'm going to go back and preach through May, and helping them in their pastor search. I've been to Texas and Northern and Southern California. Uh, my phone tells me that I drove 51 hours in my car in January. And uh, I'm telling you this not because I just, I'm going to be active. No, I'm not bragging. I didn't, I didn't seek out a one of these jobs, okay? I was ready to do the life of ease thing. But these all came to me. Now, you know why? I know why. Because everybody said to me when I retired from this role, you better be busy. you will drive Kristen crazy. <laughs> and God told the angels, he will. Let's keep him going. And God has put in front of us great opportunities that we're so grateful to have. And the deal is God will do that for all of us if we're looking for ways that we can serve him. And so regardless of your season of life, could you just write down these three goals to sustain your joyful life? It's really kind of simple stuff. And here's the first one. Make sure you're personally growing. Personal growth should always be a goal. Verse 16, we must hold on to the progress we have already made. i just tell you, five years from now, I hope I'm giving a higher percentage of my income to the kingdom of God. I really do. Five years from now, I I hope I know more of the Bible than I do today. I hope I'm more constant in prayer five years from now than I am today. I hope I'm kinder and less critical when people cut me off in traffic. That's not going to happen. But, uh, I'm praying about it anyway. God, help me with that five years from now. Surely we can, that would be some growth for me. Can I do that, God? Man, I hope I'm more tolerant of people who have different opinions than me five years from now. I hope I have more close friends of other races than I do now. I hope I'm more disciplined in eating and exercising and caring for my body than I am today. Uh, I hope I'm more content and less restless than I am today. And I hope that you will say, you know, God, I want to never stop growing." At the same time, here's another goal. Expanded influence, especially as you get older. You have greater influence when you get older if you'll take advantage of that. See verse 17, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Learn from those who follow my example. Paul's not bragging. He just realizes people are following him. He realized he's been around a while. People are watching you. If you've been around for a while serving Christ, people are watching your every step. Embrace that. Be an example for those who are watching you. And you'll influence people in ways you never could imagine. There are those of you who are older in Christ. Listen, you're still married by God's grace. You still have your mate. Younger couples need to see that you can still be happy and meet each other's needs in a wonderful way 45 years later. You can do that. There are lots of widows and widowers around this church. Find them. Meet them out in the coffee, the coffee area out here. You stop and see them, will you? Learn from them. They're showing you. Some of you are going, if my mate dies, I, just, I, could, I don't know what I would do. We'll get to them and talk and find out what you'd do. They're living a victorious life, and they're inspiring us. In this intergenerational church, you have lots of opportunities. And, oh, man, I hope you keep your sense of humor. Please keep your sense of humor. In my book, I put what my kids call dad jokes. Some of you know what I'm talking about, dad jokes. When I was writing it, um, I said, do I put it into dad jokes or not? I actually called early in the book. I said, I'm telling dad jokes, deal with it. And they're throughout the thing. So they may laugh at you as you get older, and you laugh at you as you get older and you'll have more joy instead of being offended all the time or upset all the time because back in the day, no, you embrace the future, and God, I think, will use you. You can be gentler and you can be kinder. See, verse 18, Paul said, I have told you often before, and I now say with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, they think only about this life here on the earth. The world is full of people, right? And all they're about is this life, their own appetite. Their goal is just the stuff of this world. But we know through the strength we have through Christ. Uh, Lord, help me overcome my weaknesses through the power of the Spirit of God, and help me uh, help other people who seek that out. Uh, people with whom I've paid the rent to help them overcome their weaknesses through the power of the Spirit of God. But here's the ultimate goal. Focus on the eternal reward. That's the way Paul concludes this chapter, verses 20 and 21. We are citizens of heaven. Say heaven. 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 Okay, You're not citizens of the United States of America. You're citizens of heaven. You're just passing through where the Lord Christ Jesus lives. We're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into his glorious uh, in, in the glorious bodies like our, his own, using the same power, say same power, same power, the same power with which he'll bring everything under his control. How could Paul have this mindset? He kept looking forward to heaven. He grieved just like we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Now, this is not wishful thinking. It's based on the fact the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 11, verse 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now, I'm just saying to you honestly from my heart today, if you really don't eagerly look forward to the return of the Savior, you will not have joy. You'll be discouraged. You'll be full of fear. You'll be insecure. You will run from responsibility and challenge. You'll be intimidated by the unknown be hunkering down. And by the way, that's easy to do in this fearful world. I mentioned earlier this world that's become a culture of death. You do know that's the case. And this past week was a sober reminder again of living in, in the middle of a culture of death. Every single night we see a murder almost in our city. We hear abuse going on in homes and children having their innocence taken away. We're so tired of hearing it. Terrorism, violence, abortions, the opioid crisis, the culture of death. And we send our kids to schools they are not saved or in malls or in church buildings or anywhere in this world. We're reminded, this is not my home. And so what do you do What are you saying to the children in your life who are wanting some answers? Hey, listen, it is a horrible thing to live in fear. You cannot have joy and live in fear. And as you get older, you'll be afraid of what could happen all the time. It's very common for folks who are older. What if I fail? What if I lose control? What if they don't want me? Instead of just saying, I'm eagerly awaiting a savior. And I know that regardless of what happens today, it may hurt. But regardless of this, there's this prize of eternal life. And I'm headed there with the Lord in heaven. Keep sustaining that joyful life. We still have in our day-to-day missionaries every week are killed for sharing about Christ. And um, this week during the crisis, my wife and I went through all the emotions. You probably went through anger, sadness, a burden for those families. Jack Vincent did some looking up of some veteran missionaries. And he was a missionary to China years ago, held up there in China. And this person who stopped him had a gun and a big old sword, or knife. And he stopped him and he said, I'm going to kill you. Are you afraid? And Jack Vincent said, Afraid of what? I'm just going to go be with God. And Jack Vincent killed him. Or excuse me, the other man killed Jack Vincent on the spot. He killed Jack Vincent right there. And E.H. Hamilton was a missionary in China. And of, this, of the tragedy, he wrote a poem that was published on January the 1st, 1960. He wrote these words Afraid of what? To feel the Spirit's glad release? To pass from pain to perfect peace? The strife and strain of life to cease? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face? To hear his welcome and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to enter heaven's rest? And yet to serve the master blessed? From service good to service best? Afraid of that? I'll guarantee you the Apostle Paul was not afraid. And I love the way Gene Peterson paraphrases verse 14... Paul saying, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning me onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I am not turning back. Amen. And if that has not been honestly your long-term goal, God hands you a present. It's called today. And today is a day of salvation. It's the opportunity to make the choice. I'm moving into the future embracing opportunity every day i'm going to find it in the security i have through christ with hope in jesus alone so let's stop and pray about that right now kind father thank you for every single person in the point the center in the lobby those who watch this message online god we do want to sustain a joyful life we want to just start with authentic joy and help us to do the things we need to do to find that joy is different than happiness Happiness depends on happenings, circumstances, with this broken, fallen world. And God, when their fear comes our way, Satan came to kill, to steal, to destroy, and to frighten us. May you empower us with strength. The kind of resolve that uh, not only gives us joy, but will encourage others along the journey. And may we be faithful until one day we rejoice in your presence and see you face to face. We pray in Jesus' strong name. Everybody said.